And welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what's shaking? Oh, uh, you know, just wheezing the juice, munching on some major grindage, yo. <laughs> totally. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, so, yeah, right off the top, I want to say there's going to be a lot of um, weasel talk on this episode. Not for <laughs> me, because I don't think I'm cool enough to talk like that. <laughs> but Libby is committed to the bit, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Tonight, we said we were going to be doing an episode on Airheads to kind of um, uh, continue our... What did we call it? The somebody, somebody, Fraser Fest, Fraser Fest, because we kept fumbling across the Brendan Assance or Brendan Fraser Renaissance, and we couldn't make it work. So Fraser Fest, it is. Uh, we were gonna do Airheads, but uh, come to find out, Airheads is unavailable right now, thanks to the magic of modern streaming culture. Yeah, which sucks because I really I like Airheads. I do too. I was excited. I was looking forward to that one. So uh, Plan B. Uh, welcome to Encino Man, everybody. <laughs> yes, which has not one, not but two Oscar winners and an Oscar nominee. Yes. Three people who have been to the Oscars <laughs> as guests, as honored guests, as nominees. Two winners. Amazing. Amazing. And, and then not only that, but also we have 25% of Metallica in this movie on screen. It's amazing. <laughs> We'll talk and about that. And of course, that the later. weasel. And the weasel, weasel himself, Polly Shore. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a thing to talk about. Um, before we do, though, I want to thank everybody from our uh, Star Wars episode. We we didn't do a poll for that one, I don't think, but we did field some from our listeners. So, Libby, do you have those already? Yes, I've got one from right. at Patrick Smith. Who says he wants to see Mr. Bean actor Rowan Atkinson training a young Yoda in the ways of the Force as they confront the threat of a rogue band of Netty intent on hijacking a shipment of Kessel Spice to finance a revolution. I love it. I know. We've got to get that in. Um, and our friend at Werder wants to see a Grogu uh, and Babu Frick buddy cop movie. Absolutely, yes delightful especially since they they uh stuck the babu fricks in the, the mandalorian this season so we know they're hanging out together <laughs> but uh so at the end of this episode we will be posting we might be posting a poll it's it is up to uh elon musk whether or not we are allowed to do polls on twitter anymore so yeah because we're not paying eight bucks for a check mark no you know who we are exactly so we may just have to ask you directly which of these songs we you think is the best <laughs> so that'll be its own its own kind of uh fun at ost party on twitter uh after the show yes. comes out uh so libby where would we like to begin with our discussion of encino man well i want to know your background with this film <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you came to Encino okay. Man. This was one that I know 
when I was a kid, I saw ads for it all the time. I know I definitely saw like comic book ads, you know, in the pages of, you know, X-Men and uh, Fantastic Four, which I read as a kid all the time. So I would see these ads for Encino Man. Like I'd had to watch this movie. Mind you, I'm see 92. I would have been six or seven at the time. Mm-hmm. Probably a little too young for that, so had to wait for it to come out on video. And when it finally did, uh, I, I asked my dad to rent it for me, and he said, "No, that looks stupid." <laughs> okay, I mean, he's not fair. wrong, but yeah, I had to wait uh, a few more years before it, it showed up on cable to to catch Encino Man. But uh, you know, as a kid, you know, I loved Encino Man, and I haven't really uh, returned to it in uh, quite a few years. So this was definitely a fun revisit for me. Uh, Libby, what about you? I this is the first time I watched it. Oh, okay. Um, but I remember I had an older sister, or have an older sister. Uh, she lives in Dallas now. Uh, who used to do the Weasel? She <laughs> loved MTV, and I remember her. I distinctly remember her standing in our my dining room, doing the Weasel, like with the hand gestures and everything, to my now ex stepdad and he and my mom were getting annoyed with her. So she switched over to doing van down by the river. <laughs> uh, so it was one of those kind of like buried memories. I hadn't thought about Polly Shore in years. I did watch Polly Shore is dead when I was in college. Um, but then when we decided to do this, like it, it awoke all of that, <laughs> like all those repressed memories of the weasel. And so I was texting her throughout uh, which is kind of fun. I don't know if she saw Encino Man. I assume she did. Um, but I hadn't seen it until now. My husband remembers seeing it in theaters. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's the thing that I remember most about Encino Man was that you know, more than, you know, Brendan Fraser uh, appearing fully formed on screen, like this was the Polly Shore movie, right? Yes. And like, as he was a big MTV personality and they were trying to find a way to stick him in movies. And so they just mm-hmm. shoved him into this random, weird comedy about a caveman in modern day, you know, Southern California. And like, of course, we'll put the weasel in there. Why not? And even as a kid, I was like, this guy is so stupid. I don't think <laughs> I appreciated him. But seeing him now in 2023, I look at I look at Polly Shore and, and Stoney in this movie and I go, that guy's got the right idea. Yeah, it was a much more innocent time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and it's funny, listening to this soundtrack for this painted a very different picture of the movie. Like, I listened to the soundtrack and I thought, this is going to be bad. This is going to be, it's not going to have aged well. It's going to be full of homophobic jokes and, like, racial jokes. I was really expecting it to be 100% cringe and was pleasantly surprised because it the soundtrack as i think we're gonna find out and talk about is very much aimed at the audience that Polly shore was speaking to so the teenage boys watching mtv like the 13 to 25 crowd yeah and this movie is really not quite that no it's maybe five to ten percent cringe depending on how much you can take Polly shore <laughs> um, and then one or two, 
you know, unfortunate off-color jokes thrown in here and there. But for the most part, yeah, this was, uh, in 2023, this is a, a mostly pretty okay, you know, comedy to watch nowadays. Yeah, it's it's pretty pure. You could watch this with your children. Like you could put it next to the Bill and Ted movies and it be, it would play perfectly fine, you know? Yeah, it's very sweet. It's really kind of a more innocent time. Um, I actually ended up really enjoying <laughs> this one, sort of in spite of what I went into thinking it was going to be. Oh, and yeah. I've definitely been saying we's the juice like all week. Oh, of course. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a perfect thing. <laughs> hey, buddy. I've been saying that to my cats. I say that to our cat all the time, and it, it just dawned on me last night, like, that's where I'm getting that from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. i it from Encino Man. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, with Encino Man is just the soundtrack itself, and we'll get into that here in a minute, is just, it's it's embarrassing. I'll go ahead and say it. Yeah, but it's, it's not em- great. It's embarrassing because it's geared at, you know, teenagers in 1992, and Unfortunately, those just don't exist anymore. <laughs> well, and it's also clearly a it, it wasn't going to be the selling point of the film. It's no. sort of a byproduct because it's a lot of like third tier acts. There's a couple kind of jams on there, but it's very much the MTV filler. Yeah, definitely. With a couple of the name brand <clears throat> bands in there. And, and a, but it a, is it's it's about 90 percent filler. Right. And then a couple of weird, like, classic rock uh, tracks in there for, for some reason. I don't really know why. Actually, no, I take it back. I know exactly why Queen is on this soundtrack, and it's because of Wayne's World. Yes, and Hollywood Records um, bought the Queen catalog. Right. After passing over bands like Nirvana, they acquired uh, Queen's catalog. Um, but yeah, Wayne's World had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and I, I found an article from the LA Times where... Um, they're ta- it's from 1992 they're talking about this like the summer movie landscape and they're specifically talking about the fact that like you know in in the early 90s jeffrey katzenberg had this like initiative in his head where he wanted to just produce a bunch of uh, for lack of a better term cheap crap just to see what would hit and this was like one of the first of those and <laughs> i guess that's as good a time as i can imagine to jump straight into billboarding school because uh the stats on this are kind of interesting So uh, before we talk about the soundtrack, the movie, you know, it costs $7 million. This is a very cheap movie and it shows uh, and it made $40 million at the box office. So, yeah, they, they <laughs> definitely made their money back <laughs> like Katzenberg won. And yes. the fact that it came out just a few months after Wayne's World, like they directly the site Wayne's World as being the reason this movie was a hit. Mm-hmm. So I think. Adding Queen, as we'll talk about later, was was a very late addition because they saw how Wayne's World treated you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a very shrewd move. And uh, we'll we'll let you decide if uh, that was a smart move. But uh, so for the soundtrack, Encino Man debuted on the charts June 13th, 1992 at number 130. Uh, the number one album that week, unfortunately, was the Billy Ray Cyrus album, Some Gave All. <laughs> yeah, remember, this was that summer. And the top soundtrack <sighs> that week at number 37 was, naturally, Wayne's World. 
Of course. And uh, Encino Man would last five weeks on the charts. It fell off uh, July 18th. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus's Son Gave All was still number one. Gross. And it had been the entire time. But the top soundtrack now at number eight was the soundtrack to Eddie Murphy's Boomerang. So this is that interesting, that interesting summer where like you always think about, you know, the grunge acts that are taking over pop culture. But like it's really, you know, the country artists and the hip hop artists, the artists that are selling the most records at this time. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of those. Yeah. Um, on on tonight's soundtrack. Yeah. So, I mean, fascinating. Encino Man is definitely trying to ride that wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the movie itself opened Memorial Day weekend, 1992, came in fourth at the box office behind <laughs> Lethal Weapon 3, Alien 3, and the movie Far and Away. And just for reference, okay. Wayne's World is still in the top 10. It's at number 10. <laughs> <laughs> still that popular. But it's kind of interesting, um, you know, because it seems like now every time I go to the movie theater, it's some sort of like all the movies are taken up by some sort of sequel. Yeah. And but that has always been the case. Oh, of course. Seems. Yeah. Especially Alien in three movies. and Lethal Weapon three. Yeah. Wow. That's a different you and I 2023 and 1992. So Encino Man. Libby, why don't you take it away and uh, tell us a little bit about Encino Man? Well, is the first in what is known as Brendan Fraser's Himbo Trilogy, <laughs> which is Encino Man, George of the Jungle, and our previous entry in Fraser Fest, Blast from the Past, which involves a Brendan Fraser waking up like a beautiful tall baby uh, and having to explore contemporary life. In this case, he plays a caveman who is frozen in a, I, I guess like an ice collapse, and dug up by Sean Astin, Academy Award nominee for 1994's Kangaroo Court, <laughs> and uh, Polly Shore, 1992's uh, Razzie Award nominee for Encino Man. <laughs> and that should have been, of course, Oscar winner Brendan Fraser. Uh, right. Who we are so pleased for. right this is our uh, de facto oscar, oscar special <laughs> yes uh and so george of the jungle is essentially the same plot and as we uh discussed in our episode on blast from the past that is also the plot of that of blast from the past it's also very similar to the plot of earth girls are easy it kind of is isn't it <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be our uh our other subset we love road trip movies and we love movies about leading sort of alien beings around a city in contemporary life himbo fish out of water stories yes that is our <laughs> that's a much better way of putting it so road trip movies and himbo stories we we love to see it god what have i gotten myself into <laughs> yeah and uh the jesus and mary chain were also on the uh earth girls are easy soundtrack that's true so we do have some links actually we've got a couple uh yeah we got a handful friends of them back we got a handful of those, and we'll get into those here in, in short order. But, uh, yeah, so the first thing, though, is that we just we have to deal with Sean Astin and Polly Shore being best friends and digging a pool by themselves, <laughs> apparently away yes. from, like, any and all adult supervision. <laughs> I, I have to wonder, like, did his mom and dad approve this? And if so, why didn't they just hire someone to do it? 
which makes me think he's just doing this himself. And they, yes, uh, and nobody notices. He's got a weird little sister. the The vibes on this movie are slightly off. Yeah, from the but... get go, they're slightly off. Yeah, but you just have to like, you just have to roll with it. You're just like, yep. Yeah, I'm in an air conditioned theater. It's 1992. I'm just rolling with it. This is what what the executives call a high concept. Yes. But Dave, like his whole thing that he tells Tony before they even find the caveman is he wants to be prom king so that he can have something to show for his, you know, four years in high school, which is a terrible. Bless your heart, Dave. Terrible thing to dream for personally, honestly. Bless your heart. (laughs) And and then Stoney in his, his, you know, Polly Shore, all of his Polly Shore glory just replies, life's all about greasing the dewback, whatever the fuck that means. Isn't that a Star Wars thing, like a dewback? Yeah, and I mean, does that mean, like, life is about killing large animals? I'm not sure. I don't understand anything that Polly Shore says, which is the whole point. Um, Right. (laughs) But also, he's in love with Robin Sweeney, Mm -hmm. who, as Stoney reminds him, finds him crusty. Right. <laughs> Poor guy. Yes. Um, and yeah. Now, I just want to take a quick note that Polly Shore looks like Jennifer Grey. Yeah, kind of. He looks exactly like Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing. I was like, wow, Polly Shore is very pretty. <laughs> but it's he's got the long hair. He's got the high cheekbones and he's got that nose. Um, I carried a lovely. watermelon. um now as they're talking about uh robin who as we've established finds dave crusty he points out you know they've been friends since they were little kids but she hadn't hit babehood yet which forces me to remind former goonie sean astin that he has not hit babehood yet Still, he's Sean Astin. He still has not. Yeah. <laughs> he is he's not he, the once and forever Goonie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, settle down, Rudy. Like, even Data has gone on to join the computer club and do something with his high school career. Yeah. Um, which, but... which we'll see in a little bit because uh, Kihui Kwan is, in fact, in this movie. Yes. Oscar winner. Oscar winner Kihui Kwan. God bless him. The, like the next part of the movie is like they're at school where the science teacher who I think is one of the Murray's, but I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, he's talking okay. to him about Cro-Magnon man. And um, yes, why is it that high school, like high schools and movies always teach at about a sixth grade level. Yeah. They're like water is wet. Class dismissed. <laughs> people looked like this millions of years ago. Like, yeah, we know that's people. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are in, uh, in your senior year of high school. Yeah, like, this is not an AP class here, people. <laughs> it's just one of those things, like, this is this is way below you. But uh, we see our Empire Records friend, uh, Robin Tony, saying she would go out with a Cro-Magnon man. He's dope. Oh, that's, that's foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> so then back home, you know, Dave is continuing to try and dig a hole in the backyard in the pool. And meanwhile, Stoney is not helping at all. Stoney is sitting off no. to the side, listening to his Walkman. And we have the first song on our soundtrack. It's Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group. Yes, he's just enjoying the vibes. Yeah. 
Let's go to a clip. Just vibing out. Frankenstein is uh, a classic rock staple, staple that I'm sorry, it remains really boring to me. I just, I find the Edgar Winter group so dull. And I think it's because I really only have place in my heart for one prod rock band and I've decided it's Jethro Tull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't disagree. I think, I think Frankenstein is great for about a minute and then I lose interest in it. Yeah, the fact that uh, Fish frequently covers this is kind of all you need to know about how I'm going to react. Right. So, do you did you catch a? Do you know who's the bass player? So. Uh, no, who was that? It's Dan Hartman. <gasps> oh wow! Of Streets of Fire and Scrooged. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's the bass player for the Edgar Winter Group. <laughs> that said. This actually does really fit in the movie perfectly. It's got the right vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, probably the most perfect song for this film. It's got, again, kind of like a, a sunny California, like, undertone to it. It's not the sunniest song, but it, there's something very warm about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fun track. It's the kind of thing that it's exactly the kind of thing that Stoney would be listening to, I think. Yeah. So it, it works. I th- yeah, I think so, too. So it's just it's again, the vibes. It's the vibe. Yeah. Um, so if it fits, it's not one that I like, but I think it really fits the film. Mm-hmm. And it's one of a few odd, really odd classic rock choices on this soundtrack. And it every one of them kind of baffles me because like the entire rest of the soundtrack is so like steeped in the early nineties sort of alternative rock movement. And then to have like Frankenstein and then, you know, later we'll have cheap trick and so on. It's, I don't get it. I don't get what the, the idea was there. <laughs> Wayne's world. That was the idea. I mean, yeah, for, um, for queen. Sure. But cheap trick and Fra- and Edgar winter. I don't know, but uh, I, I like, I like that Stoney's listening to it. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As they're kind of digging up, they find a bowl that he calls prehistoric Tupperware. Oh, but he knows that from Jeopardy. Yeah, he he. Stony is the one who watches all the Jeopardy in this. Yes, and Polly Shore actually really does love Jeopardy, mm-hmm. and apparently works it in every chance he gets. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, when they, they find the bowl, and then not long after, they stumble upon uh, the caveman frozen in ice. Yes, complete with all the cave paintings that are behind Stony. if you look. Yeah, that they somehow magically have not ruined with, with the shovel that they're using to dig up the fucking pool. <laughs> it's okay. It's a, it's a kid's movie. Just roll with it. Yeah, just go with it. Just go with it. Um, my husband wanted to point out that this is exactly how the thing starts. <laughs> yeah. They find something frozen in ice. Yeah, that's true. And, they, and the, it makes its way into their, uh, their home and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Yeah, this is just kind of the thing, but for children. <laughs> I mean, you have to ease them into the really, really uh, R-rated stuff, you know? It's going to get a lot yeah, worse from but, here. But there's actually, there's a great line in here. Um, as Dave is trying to convince Stoney to go in on this endeavor, Stoney says, I don't want to be part of anything. I'm happy to just be me. 
it's like I like yeah, that. Yeah. That's it's like a good outlook. That's like the first sign that Stoney may may or may not be the smartest person in this movie. Yeah, he really is. Um and that's a good thing to remind yourself sometimes, especially like for a film sort of promoted to high schoolers. Like that's a really kind of important message. No, you don't you don't have to be anybody but you. Yeah, just, that's a good message for teenagers and, and they need to hear stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole section here where they just kind of go back to school and forget about the cave. They've, they've 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 dug him out. They put him in the garage and they put space heaters all over the place. Just the most janky, rickety ass space heaters. Yeah. I was like waiting for the house to catch fire. Like, this is how a 16 year old does science. Yeah. So, but like while they're at school, you know the the ice thaws and the caveman breaks out and makes his way into their into Dave's house. And of course, one of the first things he encounters is MTV, because of course it is. <laughs> it's 1992. Yeah. And he sees a couple of music videos in quick succession. The first is by a metal band called uh, Sacred Reich, which I'm not too comfortable with, with a song called The American Way. The next thing that he sees is a music video for a song called Treaty by Yathu Yindi. Uh, I take it you have a lot of notes on this. I actually do. So let's go to a clip. Okay. at this soundtrack if you, you sit back and look at it as a whole again you've got the classic rock which um we're in a little bit of a classic rock revival that will thread uh throughout the 90s we've got some hip-hop we've got uh the kind of b-tier post-glam hard rock heavy metal that populated a lot of mtv at the time right but you're also starting to see uh house music move in and also in this year uh we had cool world which of course had a major house soundtrack with uh moby and other artists that were starting to get some footholds in american ears yeah definitely um yeah and this is uh one of them so this is an australian band um this one again has a little bit more of that european flair um as opposed to the crystal waters track we'll hear a little later on um and this one combines those kind of Euro trash beats with some sort of Aboriginal music traditions, um, including playing uh, Bilma, which were ironwood clapsticks, and Yadaki with lyrics in, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Gamatij. Mm-hmm. So now, interestingly enough, so this song uh, initially failed to chart. And so uh, DJ Gavin Campbell, uh, who was a DJ from Melbourne, uh, wanted to create a dance remix of it. And that's the version we hear uh, on the soundtrack. And it got rid of some of the English language lyrics, um, leaving it almost entirely sung in the Aboriginal language um, because they really wanted to preserve that sound. Hmm. So they kind of ditched the English and made this really funky dance track that was a hit. 
Yeah, and the 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 video that he sees in the film is the actual music video for this song, where mm-hmm. you get all the uh, all the um, I guess Aboriginal uh, tribal folks dancing around and, and singing the song, and it, it cuts very quickly back and forth between a lot of these. And I I, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty cool to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> It's a a neat sound. Yeah. Um. It's not something I think that I would have chosen to listen to, but I'm glad that I did because it's a really really cool sound. Yeah. And something that I wouldn't have heard otherwise because I don't spend a lot of time with house music. Mm-hmm. Um. But well, even even outside of just sort of the house genre, this like the early '90s was kind of the peak time for, I guess, what in the United States we refer to as world music which is kind of yes. a, a terrible catch-all term for everything that's not music from the United States. But it's specifically mm-hmm. like songs like this and songs from, you know, uh, Africa and Asia that get the house treatment and become these weird sort of dance pop hits, you know, in the United States. And like the early 90s mm-hmm. was like the linchpin for that. Yes. And I'm looking at, see, I'm now I'm just reading Wikipedia about this song, but I see that in uh, 2009, the song was added to the Australian National Film and Sound Archive. So this has yes. been deemed culturally significant that's, in Australia. So that's really cool. You know, they've produced a lot of good music. Yeah. We get Savage Garden, we get Men at Work, we get Kylie Minogue. There's a, there's a lot to love about the Australian music scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's not all ACDC, folks. but uh so move i guess moving on from here well we briefly meet uh our class bully matt um and he he is robin's boyfriend typical jock and staples dave to a bulletin board of course because dave wants to be the prom king so he staples him to the bulletin board in front of the prom display uh, yeah, sort of mocking. He's your his, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's your standard issue bully. Yeah, and there's nothing special about him. And we've met him before on the OST party. Do you recognize him? Not at all. He was one of the technicians uh, on the show Wayne's World in the movie Wayne's World. Ha! Yeah, okay. he was the guy behind the, the either the the soundboard or the camera. I forget which. Welcome back, my dude. Welcome back, sir. So, yeah, this guy, and I, I've seen people, I've seen other uh, critics and reviews basically call this character out for what he is. He's like the modern day caveman that um, our hero Link uh, is about to have to go up against. It's a very cool yeah. sort of dichotomy here, dude. Yeah. Yeah, man. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Um. Yes, but speaking of cavemen, when Stony and Dave get home, mm-hmm. they find that Link is trying to start a fire. In Dave's bedroom, yes. Yes. Now, kind of a, a fun little fact about this scene uh, that I uh, will post on uh, our Twitter is when they were pitching this film, they made a proof of concept film. Mm-hmm. That was this scene, essentially. Um, and Ben Stiller played Link. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Polly Shore uploaded it a little while ago, but it's... It, and it's almost shot for shot, what they did in the final version. Yeah, even, It's kind of a neat little piece. Yeah, like even the... Like when you see 
the world from Link's perspective. You see the, the first person camera. They do the same thing here. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. It, Check that out if you haven't. Um, ben Stiller before Ben Stiller became Ben Stiller. <laughs> yes. Um, but they managed to uh, sort of hypnotize him with a Bic lighter. Of course. You know, naturally, he's freaking out. I just, I want to note, because I'm me and I haven't noted this, um, he's only wearing a loincloth. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. And he is Ben still, or he is Brendan Fraser in 1992. He got some thighs. (laughs) He got them hockey thighs. Yeah, he sure does, don't he? Mesmerized. I, mean, I think I said it earlier, but it's it's the absolute truth. Like Brendan Fraser appears fully formed as Brendan Fraser in this movie. Like, yeah, he's an Adonis. Yeah, he's a strapping lad. The Fraser you see here is the Fraser that we'll see for the next like 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. Cool dude, that guy. Yeah. Yes. God bless him. I'm so I'm so happy that we are in the Fraser Snots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so naturally, the the first thing they decide to do is they got to clean this guy up. So we get a cleaning montage set to uh, right said Fred's I'm too sexy, which is yeah. like the most I'm... obvious thing you could do. Yes. And uh, here's my question. Uh-huh. We're not going to talk about uh, I'm too sexy because it's uh, not on the soundtrack for some reason, which, again, it's kind of an MTV staple. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little surprised, but uh, I'm sure it's some sort of rights issue. Too expensive. If you which which. Do you hate less, I guess? Okay. I'm Too Sexy or Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood? I think I hate Relax less. Okay. But I think it's just because I've heard I'm Too Sexy that many times. Okay. It's it's purely... Um, exp- but it doesn't make you want to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia? <laughs> no. No, it does not. That's good. So it's, I'm sorry, I cut you off. It, no, it sounds like you hate both of these. I actually, I'm sort of fascinated by I'm Too Sexy. Like, it's one of those songs that, like, I don't like it, but it's fun. And also because it's it's in that same vein, uh, uh, no pun intended, as Carly Simon's You're So Vain, where uh, it immediately becomes about you. Because it's not like the singer is too sexy, because by dancing to I'm too sexy you become too sexy like you are too sexy for your shirt and your cat and Milan Mm -hmm. yeah and I find that fascinating like that POV my favorite part of the song I always appreciated the ending where he says I'm too sexy for the song it immediately stops yeah that's just a good they're also apparently too sexy for vaccines yeah yeah we we only need to talk about them and that and all that mess yeah all right it's like guys you're in right said fred yeah do you really want to do you really want to have this conversation guys you really want to roll them rattle them bones (laughs) good luck Uh, (laughs) so the next Uh, day but Brendan Fraser was sexy. Like he, I'm he not going to deny it. He was a good looking man. Yeah, but they're going to take him to Taco Bell mm-hmm. and then school. And then school. At which point we get the next song on our soundtrack, which is a cover of the Trogs' Wild Thing by, for some reason, Cheap Trick. Yeah. Let's go to a clip. Wild thing. Wild thing. Ah! 
Remind you how I feel about the song Wild Thing uh, from our Something Wild episode. We heard a, quite a lot of it. I still do not care for this song in any form. Yes. <laughs> okay. The Sister oh, Carol Cheap version Trick from that it. movie, I liked that. But this, yeah, Cheap Trick, uh, they do they do some stuff with it, but I, it's still Wild Thing in its heart. Yeah. Um, Cheap Trick, of course, making... Uh, their second appearance on the OST party previously in our heavy metal episode where they had one of the best songs on the soundtrack. And also from I the, still listen to And also from our Top Gun episode. That's right. Yeah. I forgot that they they were in Top Gun. Um I I actually use uh Reach Out on my workout mix mm. a lot. There's a lot of OST party songs on my workout mix. Like um Only the Young is on there. Oh of course it is. Okay. It has to be. Yeah, I have to work out to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm torn with this one because I don't love Cheap Trick and I don't love the Trog's Wild thing, except, of course, for the Sister Carol version from Something Wild. Right. But I feel like they're the appropriate band to do a cover of it. Like, it fits them really well. Mm-hmm. It's, a, like, a tad generic, but... They feel like the the best people to update the song. It's it almost doesn't even sound like cheap trick to me. Like I'm not a big cheap yeah. trick fan either, but like I'm more familiar with them as like, you know, the 70s arena rock guys, the guys who wrote Surrender, not the guys who are like trying to do wild thing as a metal song. And like th- those things just don't compute in my head. Like this doesn't sound like cheap I- trick to me. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why I don't hate it. I think it's like a, it's like math. It's two negatives equaling a positive somehow, <laughs> or at least like net zero. Right, maybe so. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I, that's the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. From the, the, the from the scant research that I did, it looks like this was recorded for the soundtrack. Because yes, I don't and... see any any evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good on that. Yeah. So, but yeah, we also get a peek at uh, Rose McGowan in her first role. Yeah, I thought that was Rose McGowan, and of course, yep. you know the, the the one bit that we see of her. Oh, she's ogling Link. Like, of course well, she. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? But they, um, yeah, and she, she gets she gets to do that again when she stars as Kitty in Monkey Bone. <gasps> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So. There's a couple, uh, a couple repeats mm-hmm. in this. Oh yeah, uh, but Link immediately zeroes in on Robin Tunney, and that that joke from earlier pays off immediately because she is into him. Yes, <laughs> he also uses Stony's word for breasts, which is Gonzaga's, and goes right for hers. Mm. Yeah, that. That made me a little bit sad, but that's just because I had Gonzaga to win March Madness. And I don't know. <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> uh, dang. Yeah. Um, but he also does a super sweet flip yes. to go talk to her. Off of a like a, like a second story balcony. 
Yeah. And uh, we get here a little bit of the conflict of the film, which is that David is very dismissive of Link as a human being. Yeah. And Stoney just wants to be his friend. Because Dave is still in this mode of like, I'm going to use this caveman to make myself popular. Mm-hmm. Which is terrible. Like, demonstrably yeah. terrible. And Stoney, yeah, wow, Stoney, Stoney just, just wants, wants to, to vibe. Wants to vibe, wants to teach him about, you know, the world and, and, and be his buddy. Mm-hmm. And so, buddy. maybe his buddy. And the so, while they're traversing the halls of the school... Uh, Stony and Link, they meet up with a couple of white dudes doing hip hop. I'm not sure what you call those people. Dorks. We, uh, we meet the hip hop dorks, uh, and they're listening to the next song on our soundtrack, which is uh, Leave My Curl Alone by High C. Let's yeah. take a listen. I brought up on the stick and asked, could I be a man? She said, you need a flower, shut up, the fist of bands. I said, no, no. an expert on hip-hop by a long shot but uh i did i did like this this was yeah this is a fun little song i i, I appreciate it yeah it it's got it's that great 90s hip-hop mm-hmm. uh that's just it's solidly 90s this one was uh big on yo mtv raps so we have that mtv connection here oh okay yeah that is definitely like tuning in to that Polly Shore audience. Right, yeah. And it's just a silly little uh, uh song about, you know, how the guy's the guy's girl was gonna mess up his jerry curl and you know he doesn't want her to, to mess with his hair. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, wow, you, I get that. Yeah, you gotta respect the dome, ladies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put a lot of work into that hair. Yeah. And you don't just want somebody messing it up. Yeah. So that's all we got. Respect. <laughs> well, and, and two these guys, yeah. the, the the guys that are, are sitting around listen are listening to this, they immediately latch on to Link because Link, you know, he get he's into the music and he's into dancing, and that's gonna pay off in a big way at the end of the movie. So, of course, of course. So. And again, it shows like Link being just so willing to to take all of this in, yeah, and to be part of all of this. Like he, yeah, he's. He's acclimating extremely well for the moment, at least. It also speaks to one of the sort of hallmarks of the California himbo genre, which we talked about in Earth Girls Are Easy, that people are sort of so in their own world that they don't notice that this guy can't speak and is, you know, kind of a dimwit and really just a giant blank baby. Mm hmm. I mean, at one point, Dave, Dave, that... Dave even says to Stoney, like, look at him. He's basically a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> but people are so in their own space that they project onto him. Right. So they just see they a, want him to be. They just see a cool dude that they want to hang with. And who is yeah. he to argue? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely you see that in um, especially in Earth Girls Are Easy. Mm, uh, the scene yeah. where they pull up next to the other girls and they're just parodying back what they're saying to them. Yeah. And they assume that it's conversation because they're so kind of dim-witted and 
valley girl and shallow and that's that's kind of here it's not as mean yeah but i don't know it's just it's that that look like molding him into their own image yeah like it's just good he kind of needs that he's taking it all in and it's more of a positive here i think than like a commentary on society right yeah it's he's absorbing link Link is absorbing all this information a little uh, too quickly almost uh Mm -hmm. and soon stony has to take responsibility for link because dave's got to go to class stony takes link to spanish class and then they immediately make off to the 7-eleven where he teaches him all about grindage and the four grindage the four food groups yes (laughs) and of course Reason the juice. Reason the juice, which is a very specific thing. What does that mean? That specifically is putting your mouth under the icy faucet. Yeah. <laughs> he also, but he uses it a couple other times. So it may mean the consumption of any beverage, Maybe. but in this instance specifically, they are putting their mouth under the icy faucet. Um, and they are told no wheezing the juice by the store owners. No wheezing the juice is one thing, but then when you get somebody else replying and saying no wheezing the juice, that's even better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the height of comedy. So, uh, I've talked about my love of ices before. Yes. I'm sure like my deep love for the Dr. Pepper icy from the Seven Eleven. Um, I want it so bad. Which you can only get, oh, they're so good. You can only get them in Oklahoma. I know it kills so, me. Imagine my delight when I found that in Oklahoma City, there is a juice bar called Wheeze the Juice. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) I am so excited about this. And I found this while messaging my sister in Dallas saying that I was watching Encino Man and I wanted to send her a Wheeze the Juice gif. And so I, I looked it up and it brought me to wheezethejuiceokc.com. <laughs> and I have never been more delighted by anything. I immediately told her, so next time uh, I'm in Oklahoma, she's going to come out from Dallas and we're going to go wheeze the juice. Some of their uh, offerings include the Camp Anawana, Banana Nicole Smith, <laughs> De Peach Mode, <laughs> and Be Kind Rewind. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I know. It's delightful. So we will post a link to Wheeze the Juice. Please go support a local business if for some reason you are in the godforsaken hellhole that is Oklahoma. I'm, I'm looking at their website now. They have they also have wellness shots, which include Stuffy the Common Cold Slayer and Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> This is magical. I love this. This makes me so happy. This is great. <laughs> we are absolutely all going to go wheeze the juice. Let's let's take a, a road trip. <laughs> uh, speaking of Dr. Pepper, have you seen for Easter they have Dr. Pepper peeps? I have not. I found I had a box of them the other day and yeah, they taste like Dr. Pepper. All right. I do love Dr. Pepper. Um I have not I I want to get Peepsy, yeah, which is not actually called Peepsy for some reason because I guess Pepsi doesn't like money. No, they hate. Um, I, yeah, well, if they liked money, they'd be Coke. 
Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm because um, I want to get some for Fizzball, mm-hmm. but we haven't been able to find it in cans. Oh, we that's crazy because like the grocery store down the street from me has tons of it. So we found it in bottles. We just haven't found it in cans. Oh uh, yeah, I mean I don't know if if you can ship you know soda cans across state lines. I don't know how that works. You can. It has to be ground shipping, and then it's not worth it. But um, That's, yeah, yeah. Alas, alas. Too wow. bad. No oh, peepsy. Well. No peepsy for you. No wheeze in the juice. No wheeze in the juice. <laughs> uh, but after after they wheeze the juice, Stone Age takes a uh, link to Six Flags Magic Mountain, uh, last seen on mm-hmm. uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. And yes. they, they go ro- ride all the roller coasters and they mess with all of the park mascots to the tune of Queen's Stone Cold Crazy. Yeah, I they probably they could have fit Holiday Road in here, but they chose not to. It wasn't cool enough, man. You could have had like do a cool remix of it. I believe in you. Yeah, that's that would have been fun. But uh, instead, but we, let's talk about Queen. Let's talk about Queen. Let's go to a clip. This is a very specific remix or, or mix of the song that they did for the soundtrack, which, as, yes. as we mentioned earlier, it was probably a very late addition because of the popularity of Queen in Wayne's World. Yes. But uh, this is one I I don't know if this works here or not. Yeah, I'm not I'm torn because on one hand, if I didn't already know this song, and this one comes from uh 1974's Sheer Heart Attack. Mm-hmm. If I just heard this out in the world, not knowing that this was Queen, I would not guess it was Queen because it's so heavier than you know what we associate with Queen. Yeah, it's so much more uh, upbeat than like pretty much any other Queen song. Yeah, I mean, like I'm on the the Queen side of things, like uh, Fat Bottom Girls or Bicycle Race or mm-hmm. Crazy Little Thing Called Love or uh, Radio Gaga. Uh, like when Metallica covered a Queen song, this is the one they covered for obvious reasons. Yeah, so I think it works. Um, in the context of they're trying, like this was the Queen song to pick. Because it matches with all the other metal songs on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely that feeling like we're trying to cash in on Wayne's World. Yeah. And I think just for me, it's the sense of like all of a sudden we're getting like not just this, but also Frankenstein. Like that 70s sound is coming into this film where I don't think it fits. Cause th- or necessarily like I could see more of a hippie vibe. Which is what we're supposed to get from Stony. Yeah, that's but true. But we haven't we haven't like fully moved into that. Like he was very early in that hippie revival because we wouldn't see that until sort of starting in the the back half, the the sixties revival. Right, kind of. So like Austin Powers was still like five years off at this point. Yeah. So I'm like on one hand, it's sort of a, a precursor. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, 
it's it's a tough line to to yeah. to cross, isn't it? Like, it's the the '70s rock and the the '90s alt rock really do not mix well at all on the soundtrack. So, anytime that you dip back into that '70s stuff, it's very jarring. Yeah, so I'm not. But this is the least jarring I, because it's so many other bands from the era that we're in use that sound, right? And two, maybe we're thinking too hard about this because it is just a song to set against a montage of roller coasters. So maybe I shouldn't yeah. be complaining about this. Yeah, well, it also, as as we said earlier, Hollywood Records acquired uh, Queen's catalog. Right. So they could use it cheap. Yeah, and that's probably exactly what it's, what it's doing here. Yeah. Um, but at, at the end of this entire uh, charade where Stoney and Link are having fun at the the theme park they come back to dave's house where dave discovers that now link is talking exactly like stoney is yes and he's pissed because you know they were out having fun and he's still being super serious stupid dave had to stay at school yeah (laughs) meanwhile they're off you know nugs and grindage right he's in the juice Mm -hmm. i mean dave would love to wheeze the juice but no somebody's got to go to class uh, I don't think Dave has ever wheezed the juice. No, I. Dave's I, too much of a square. He really is. He's such a. That kid is such a bummer. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing we come to, Link has made a date with Ella somehow, some way, and they go to the ice hockey rink, which is called Blades, which I love. <laughs> but this, the, maybe the most appropriate song you could have picked for this scene is vince neal's you're invited but your friend can't come because dave and stoney <laughs> tag along on this date <laughs> yes so let's let's go to a clip here So yeah, this is Vince Neil uh, minus Motley Crue because he had just been kicked out, which we'll get back to in in just a short minute. But it's still basically Motley Crue, right? Yeah, I guess. I wasn't at first, like if you had sent me this video without it being labeled as Vince Neil, uh, I would have thought he was Lita Ford. <laughs> now, Libby, are, are you trying to tell me that that dude looks like a lady? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> but also, this song got the official Encino Man music video. Yes, complete with sort of a uh, the kind of bookended skits where there's a bunch of hot babes and Stony in his Encino Man costume uh, is trying to get in to see the band, right? And can't because he's not a hot babe. Exactly. He's not a nug. So all all the hot babes are invited, but their friend Stoney can't come. You know. So and then it's intercut concert footage with um, scenes from the film. <laughs> yeah, it's your your typical like eighties hair metal music video. To be honest, there's really nothing spectacular or special about it, except for the appearance of Polly Shore at the beginning and end. Yeah, kind of boilerplate 
butt metal. It's shiny and it's very well produced, but it's not particularly memorable. Yeah, and it, your your mileage may vary, but it, like again, to me, it's Motley Crue, and like it, it's in one ear and out the other. I just don't care. <laughs> but um, not for me. No, not for me either. But again, this is kind of that era where like the hair metal is still huge. So of course we gotta we gotta make the hair metal song the big single from the soundtrack, or at least a kind of California thing. Yeah, and like they at least they had to try to because. You know, again, in 92, it was still it was already kind of on the way out. But, you know, Vince mm-hmm. Neil was was still Vince Neil. Damn it. Not for long, because he was soon replaced mm-hmm. by John Karabi taking over his stage on Motley Crue. That's right. Who's also the front man of our our next song, the band The Scream with Young and Dumb. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go to a clip of that. It's not bad for 14 years old now, honey. I honestly could not tell these songs apart. No, they're exactly the same. They all sound exactly the same, but... Like, I went and looked at the lyrics of this because I'm like, is this going to be like a creepy song about me and Perv? And it's just like, ooh, big man talking about how dumb a child is. Good job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look I'm sorry your 15-year-old girl girlfriend doesn't challenge you intellectually. John Karabi, guy from Motley Crue. <laughs> this sounds like a you problem, sir. <laughs> you know, if you had, had asked me yesterday... Who was the second singer for Motley Crue? I never in a million years would have been able to tell you who. He's like a Motley Crue substitute teacher. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't in Motley Crue for very long, was he? Because Vince Neil came back pretty quick. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming because even today, like Vince Neil is just the, is just the Motley Crue guy. So that's just how it is. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have. Yeah, this- yeah I have nothing to say about this song because it's just like yep that's hair metal yeah it's just dumb it's just young and dumb like Mm -hmm. the song says it does exactly Um, what it says on the tin during this um david decides to show robin a naked baby photo as a way of flirting with her Yeah. yeah like we've been naked together like dude please stop like so lame in any sane universe, that would have been the end of it right there. Although, props to her. She's like, yeah, give me that. Don't show that to anyone. Like, she recognizes it as creepy. Yeah, she knows exactly what to do with it. She just tucks it away. It's like, all right, um, this is for me. Bye. I'm done. Yeah. But Matt, of course, um, attacks because he sees him talking to his nug. Um, Link goes after him, but doesn't fight back because he's a pacifist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and robin's not about that she storms off and then we get our next song because they're going to teach him to fight from right. karate videos this is a band called scatterbrain doing a cover of ll cool J's mama said knock you out let's go <sighs> yeah, let's do it Yeah, 
no thank you. My first note on this was absolutely not. Yeah. As soon as I saw this, like, in the track listing, I was already like, absolutely not. There's no way this can be good. And I was right. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm sure at some point they said, let's put Mama Said Knock You Out on the soundtrack. Because it's a great song. Everybody loves this song. Oh, we can't afford LL Cool J. What else you got? Thrash metal is kind of the only way this could work with the cadence. I guess. Um, it works fine in the first verse. Like, it manages to keep up. But by the second verse, the flow falls apart, and the whole thing just sounds silly. Like, you realize it's a bunch of white guys um, thrashing out to LL Cool J. It's also... Yeah. I think here is where the soundtrack really falls apart. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a great soundtrack, as we've established, but the the whole sort of between the film and the soundtrack is really evident because for being a very dude heavy movie it's it's aimed at young men uh it's it there are very few women in it and they have minimal lines it's a very lightweight and soft film about being nice to people this is an incredibly soft film and even as dude heavy as it is like the main plot of the movie is look at this guy look at how hot he is isn't he hot well, well and also just like be nice to people and fight like these guys are all nerds and they don't win by doing the most fighting i mean there's a small fight scene at the end but they ultimately sort mm-hmm. of win everybody over by dancing exactly so yeah. it's a great film about the rejection of toxic masculinity so I don't understand why the soundtrack leans so heavily into toxic masculinity. I want to say it's because, again, they couldn't afford the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So they had to go to like the B tier and the C tier knockoffs where the I hate to say this about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but the the nuance and the energy just is not there. And the I guys that are trying to, to ape what they the what the Chili Peppers do can't find the magic of how they can do what they do like every every other attempt to do like the the rap funk metal thing is just embarrassing oh and this is very this is it's it's a toss-up whether this is the most embarrassing or um the song that kind of ends the film is the most embarrassing but we'll get to that shortly yeah so we're gonna hop to our next montage all righty um as we see Link becoming like cooler and more popular, despite doing things like roasting a frog over a Bunsen burner and eating it. Mm-hmm. So, because the Smith, our friends the Smithereens return. Yeah, um, yeah, we saw them on Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got a cover of Sam Sham and the Pharaohs' "Wooly Bully." Yeah, let's go to it. This is also where we meet our other Oscar winner, uh, Kihui Kwan. Uh, he shows up as sort of the the nerd. But they're excited about uh, welcoming Link into the computer club. 
And Link doesn't know what that means, but he's more than more than happy to shake his hand and go, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, he, he just wants, because he was doing the, the cave drawings. Yeah, the he's, he's just, yeah. And so fellow, uh, fellow Goonie and fellow Oscar winner invites him in. So this song, Wooly Bully, uh, which like Wild Thing has appeared in just about every movie ever made. Right. This one's been stuck in my head for days. This is the best cover on the soundtrack. Yes. Um, it's and I think because I know the original so well, mm-hmm. um, I never think of this version, like as it's been stuck in my head, but it's a it's a serviceable cover. Oh yeah. It's I mean the the Smithereens are nothing if not like great journeyman kind of rock guys. They can do yeah. they can knock a cover of this out in their sleep. But yeah, Wooly Bully is just such a weird kind of earworm. Yeah. I honestly kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's interesting because we've talked about this before, but in the early 90s, we saw a lot of these alternative updates to novelty songs, and they kind of become a novelty themselves. We had, um, of course, Green Jello doing uh, the Bear Song in Dumb and Dumber, and yep, yep. Uh, Anarchy in Bedrock on the Flintstones. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got walk the dinosaur on super mario brothers true like we see this over and over as these sort of novelty songs getting updated for the 90s right yeah kind of a a weird trend in in music it's another angle of that like 90s obsession with like 60s culture that kind of pops back up again yeah and everything back and a sort of Gen X irony, taking the songs of their parents and like putting, setting them to their own music. Yeah. But I think that's why I appreciate this version so much more because it, they, they pretty much do a straight cover of it and yeah. mo- mostly successfully. Like it's a pretty yeah. good version. I got nothing wrong with this one. No. Um... But, uh, you know, at the end of this uh, sequence, they go to the California Museum exhibit on the early man. And, oh, no, something terrible is about to happen because Link finally realizes kind of what's happened to him. Yes, that everyone he knows is dead, which is heartbreaking. Right. Wow. <sighs> this poor guy. I know, he you has feel a, for a, him. A, he do. And he has this kind of special heart to heart moment with with Dave and with Stoney. And, you know, he's he's having a he's having a rough time, but they're here for him, you know? Yeah, because they're family. They're family now. They just repeat that word family. And then the and the science teacher, meanwhile, says just straight out loud, you know, crow magnet man could be sitting next to one of us and you'd never even know it. Uh-huh. Yeah, like what? Yeah, he, he actually is. That's crazy. <laughs> no one even knows. That's oh. called dramatic irony. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I just I made a a, a big old mistake here because the the, yeah, the driving montage is, is, next. is next. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. So we we jumped uh, ahead. Um, but we hold everything we said about the driving montage. Um, yeah. it is not mellow. Oh no 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 no. Uh, but the driving montage gets another. God, I don't even know what to call this, but it's another track by Steve Vai, who, uh, if you remember the Bill and Ted soundtracks, he's all over that thing. This is a song called yes. Get the Hell Out of Here. <laughs> and let's let's play a little bit of that right fast. 
just five minutes of Steve Vai noodling. And if you love that, here it is. If you don't, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it. Steve Vai is super cool. And as we said on the, the Bill and Ted soundtrack, it's it's very cool when you're listening to it. You're like, how the f- does he do that? Yeah. Um, it will absolutely hit its intended audience. It's not for me personally, but this is one where I can recognize the artistry, even if it's not something I'm going to seek out. And it's right. perfect and- for this scene. It is, yeah, because it's 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 hilarious and ridiculous, and like, how the hell is this guy doing this thing with his guitar and or uh, car up on two wheels? It's, mm-hmm. it's it works. It's pretty good for me. Like, I was listening to this while I was making dinner tonight, and it just had me thinking, like, man, I want to watch Bill and Ted again. Yeah, because <laughs> like that, there's nothing wrong with that ever. Th- no, no, but that Steve Vai sound is so. It, it tied into Bill and Ted for me. That's all I can think about when I hear him play guitar. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, he, he's one, another one of those guys who has put out entire albums of just nothing but this kind of music. And I, I, I like it, but I can't say I would listen to an entire album of it. Yeah. It's great in you the know? moment. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, during this montage where Link is driving the car, the the driver's ed car around on two wheels, he eventually stops and takes the guys, uh, Stoney and Dave and uh, Robin to a I'm not sure what kind of club it is. It's definitely not a nightclub because it's in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's just kind of a, um, a Spanish a, bar club, a bar. Yeah. Mm hmm. Where all or all sorts of illicit things are happening. Yes, but uh, Stony Stony is introduced to tequila by all the the Hispanic guys at the bar. Link, well, because he's a unique weasel. He is a unique weasel. They they call him a rat, and he's like, no, 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 I'm a weasel. And a unique um, weasel, a unique weasel. And and while this is going on. Dave and Robin are kind of sort of having a meet cute, but not really where he does not want to dance. And she wants to dance. It's like, get and, it together, Dave. Yeah. Come on, Dave. You have your shot right here. What are you doing? You stupid um, idiot. And then link uh, picks up a random woman just sitting, sitting around at the bar and just starts dancing with her. Yes. Unfortunately, she is one of the, um, I guess one of the patrons girlfriends. He is very jealous he mm-hmm. confronts her and he repeats the lesson that he learned in Spanish class, which is the cheese is old and moldy. Where is the bathroom? <laughs> and as again, as we talk about people projecting onto Link as a blank slate, the man realizes it's not worth fighting over, which is a, yeah. a little a little misogynistic. But like for for peaceful purposes, we're going to allow it. Like, right. Because like you're right. Link says. Link says the cheese is old and moldy, and the guy replies, you're right, she's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. <Wow. sighs> but everyone hugs it out, so it's fine. Yeah, um, all, all the, the bros hug it out. But I think I think during this song is when we, the, the scene, rather, I think during this scene is where we get our next song, okay. which is um, Crystal Waters' You Turn Me On. Yeah. So let's yep. go to a clip. Let's go to a
Um, again, uh, we were talking about the house music. Um, this is the more American house music. Right. It's a little more R&B inflected. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very much would have been in rotation on MTV. Oh, definitely. This is exactly that kind of sound. Um, Crystal Waters, still making music. Uh, this feels more in line with the vibe of the film. Yeah, it, it really does. Like, it, it feels right. Yeah, a little more sunshiny. Uh, again, more chill. Mm-hmm. I like this. This is one you could um, you could put on now, and it would still feel very contemporary and very fresh. Kind of surprised yeah. this one hasn't had a revival on TikTok. Oh, it's just, ripe for just it. you wait. Just you so. wait. Yeah, I got nothing wrong with this one. It's again, it's not exactly my kind of music, but I'm I'm okay with it. I, I, I can I, like I can dance to this. It was know. kind of a bright spot in this soundtrack for me because I'm not mm. the target audience for the soundtrack. So I was eight, but this song was something that I could kind of grab onto. It's yeah, like, okay, I get that. there there is something that's for me. Right. And that's fine. That's that's good. It's good that they they cast a wide net a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, no. But at the end of the scene, Dave and Link get arrested during the police raid at the club. What happens to Stony? He takes um, he takes uh, Robin home. That's right. He takes Robin out of there. Uh, but then later, Dave decides to use his one phone call to call uh, Robin and ask her to go to the prom. And unfortunately, she wants to go with Link. Because of course she does. Yeah, why and... wouldn't you? If you have your choice between Link and Dave, you're going to go with Link. He got them hockey thighs. Exactly. And plus, like, not for nothing, but like a, a, call, a phone call from prison is like the worst promposal ever. Like, that's yeah, not the Dave's call you want to take. Dave is the worst. Like, I know that he's supposed to be like the main character of this movie. But everything Dave does just makes him the worst. Yeah, he's terrible because when he gets out of prison, he drives Link to the forest and tries to abandon him in the woods. Like a like a dog that he doesn't want anymore. Yeah, like Ian was like, maybe there could be this crossover potential where Link hangs out with um, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. And it's like, yeah, that's and, George of the Jungle. And also and also Harry from Dumb and Dumber after he breaks up with Lloyd. Oh God. <laughs> don't put that don't put that on our sweet Oscar winner, Brandon Fraser. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. But luckily, uh Stoney shows up. Right. They do fight because he says you don't bag on your friends. He calls him a yeah. loser, which Dave is being a loser. Right. And and so he tries to talk, talk some sense into him, but Dave t- throws it back in his face. He says, the only things you have ever cared about in your life have been nugs, chilling, and grindage. And I have to ask, what's wrong with that? Yeah, those are all great things. Yeah. It's, you know, Stoney kind of has the right idea here. He's not about trying to be Mr. Popularity. He's not trying to be Mr. Cool. He's just trying to be Stoney. And... I respect that. Yeah, and it's also, um, it's implied there's a scene earlier that we didn't talk about where they're having dinner with mm-hmm. Dave's family. And it's heavily implied that uh, Stoney does not have a great home life. That his right. mom really isn't there. He doesn't have this, what he calls like this Brady Bunch home life. Uh, so the fact that 
Stoney just wants people to get along and wants love is very tender. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, Dave has that familial love and is a jerk and Stoney doesn't, but wants to spread it. And, you know, family's important to him because he doesn't really yeah. have one. So Link and Dave are really all he has. Right. But he's also very polite about it in that scene, too, because he says, you know, I don't have the kind of Brady Bunch family that, you know, that's going on around here. But I think he says to Dave's dad, you know, if, if I'm if I'm intruding, you know, just let me know and I'll leave. But yeah, no, they let him stay. Yeah, because he's a good dude deep down. He's a good dude. And it's Link that reminds them that they're family. Exactly. Because Dave and Stoney are the ones that are, there are the reason why Link is here. And Link is the reason that they're still together. So it's all yes. good. I just realized we missed a song. Oh, what song? The Jesus and Mary Chain. Oh, okay. So while they're in while they're in jail, uh, I think I think this is where this plays. The Jesus and Mary Chain song, Why'd You Want Me, is playing. Let's go to a clip. I gave myself to drink and Again, um, our friends from Earth Girls Are Easy making their return. Mm-hmm. I this is probably my favorite song on the soundtrack. Okay, um, it's it, it's much more in line with the kind of music I listen to generally. I'm um, sort of alternative uh, early shoegaze. Um, it's a little highbrow for this soundtrack, which is uh, why I'm surprised by its inclusion. It's the only song of its sound to be included here but again it's you're dipping your toe into that mtv alternative right it's only kind of that, the slightest dip right that kind of proto jangle pop sort of sound uh coming through here yeah but yeah this would probably be the song that i would listen to mm-hmm. off this soundtrack okay yeah, but you're right. Like this is definitely an outlier. There's a couple of different outliers, and this is one of the more interesting ones, I think, because it's just it's not the weird alt butt rock that we have been battered with so much so far. But unfortunately, we have a couple more to go. So, including and- of there's what might be the worst track on here. Oh yeah, no question. Uh, that's that's the the one we're gonna have to end the end the film on because yep. we're terrible people and we deserve this. But also the the final conflict uh, comes into play here because Matt goes and hunts down dirt on Link and what's wrong with Link? Because Dave and Stony have told everybody that Link is an exchange student from Estonia, and he smells a rat. <laughs> yeah. And, and so yeah. while David preps Link for prom and they hang out by the pool, uh, Matt and his goons have stolen the Polaroids and they reveal who Link is at prom. Because um, Link's going to be the prom king. Oh, yeah. Ki Hui Kwan is going to w- award him the crown of prom king. 
I love that. I hope that's, they present together next year at the Oscars. Oh, that's that would what, be that's wonderful. All I want to see. Like, I don't want to see uh, the Goonies reunion. I want to see the Encino Man reunion. Exactly. I think everybody does. Even if Jimmy Kimmel was an asshole about it. Yeah, like, get Polly Shore like to Jimmy introduce Kimmel. them, you know? Come on. Yeah. So, he can Sean bring back Aston, the weasel. We'll allow it. Sean Astin can sit there and watch. It's okay. <laughs> hey, he's got an Oscar nomination. He does. Um, he does. This is one of the only areas where we see the 90s-ness of it because Matt drops a homophobic slur about Lincoln. Or about Lincoln. About <laughs> Lincoln. Link? Lincoln? Oh. About Link. Yes. Yeah, that's that's God. unfortunate, but you know, he's the villain. I'm not I'm not gonna say I'll, I'll allow it, but it, it, it there it is. When this movie was made, only one from the bad guy is refreshing, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's kind of like um you know, a, a PG-13 film is allowed one F-bomb, and well, there you go. <laughs> there it is. So, uh, yeah, but Link makes quick work of Matt and does some wrestling moves. And his, him, yeah, his wrestling moves. Uses the wrestling moves that he was taught earlier and hurls him into uh, the big prom cake. And Stoney takes the opportunity to, to jump to dogpile on and, and dump the punch on him. And mm-hmm. uh, Dave, uh, Dave finally makes his appearance, and Link and Dave and Stony start to do a dance set to uh, a song called "Feed the Monkey" by Infectious Grooves. Let's go to a clip. Probably one of the worst songs we've ever done. It's the intersection of everything that we make fun of here on on the show. It's like the it's the rap metal, it's the funk metal, it's the, there's a little bit of ska going on here too. And it's yeah. it's just like space aliens trying to figure out what the red hot chili peppers do, and it sounds like this. Yeah, it's just this this noxious combination of funk and jam. And it just, this is a song you can smell. And it smells like patchouli and unwashed, like, hoodies and just white guy arrogance and just dirty hair. It's just, it's not good. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is an infectious groove, but COVID's infectious too. Like, it's not good. <laughs> This yeah, aerial like, disease is infectious. Like, ugh. if chewed gum was a person, it would listen to this kind of music. <laughs> oh, God, this is the worst. But that said, more scenes of Brendan Fraser dancing, please. We had the swing dance scene in uh, Blast from the Past. Mm-hmm. He uh, does a sexy dance to Brick House in Monkey Bone. Just more scenes of him dancing. And, and yeah, and here he's dancing. He's doing the dance that he saw from uh, that that song "Treaty" that we did earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And he's adapting that into this strange funk metal. I don't know what you're even supposed to call it, but he's doing it and he's knocking it out. And everyone yeah. follows suit and dances along, including Dave, who yeah. that fucking liar said he didn't like dancing. Did everyone, it, was, it was an infectious groove. I, yeah, I guess so. And like the only other thing worth noting here for me is that uh, one of the members of this band, quote unquote band, I don't think it's even a real band. Editor's note. I just want to point out that we did not realize until after the show that infectious grooves is a side project of suicidal tendencies. That's why Robert Trujillo is in the band. You got Mike Muir and Dean Pleasance in there too. And then on top of that, you get Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction. So uh, Wikipedia calls them a funk metal supergroup, and I am legitimately sorry that we did not point that out. So there you go. Don't at me. Um, but the film ends. Everybody parties in the pool. David and Robin get together. And surprise, surprise, Link's cave nug is in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they they give her her own makeover, and she looks fantastic. And the the film f- ends on a freeze frame as as she and Link embrace. And the last thing we see is that huge Brendan Fraser smile. Yeah. And it says the end, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like I love that the movie ends that way because like even they knew what they had, you know. Yeah. Like, this is this is Brendan Fraser's like debut and they knew this guy's going to be a star. <laughs> yeah, lean into it. God bless him. And as we go into the credits, we get uh, a reprise of Vince Neil's You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come. And that's that, folks. Uh there's a couple of songs that we didn't get to that I I didn't even find in the film. Uh one of them being uh, Tone Loke's Cool Hand Loke. It's it's okay. Um, what interested me about the inclusion of this is that he did a song on the Ace Ventura soundtrack called Aces <laughs> in the House, yeah. which I really like a lot. Of course, he was he was in the movie. He's in the movie, um, yeah. And his song Wild Thing, uh, which is not a cover. Um, oh, yeah. In, in uh, Bedazzled. With Brendan Fraser. That's right. I forgot about that. It appears in the nightclub scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the other song we have is uh, T-Ride's Luxury Cruiser. Yes. Which is also, we couldn't find that in the film. Um, my only note about this is that it's the kind of metal that could only come from the 90s because it's so much more bitter and harsh sounding than the glam metal that preceded it but it's more melodic than the new metal that would follow. And either way, it's deeply unpleasant. If I'm going to blame the Red Hot Chili Peppers for bringing us infectious grooves, I've got to blame Faith No More for bringing us T-Ride and Luxury Cruiser. Because this is like some sub Faith No More bullshit, and I cannot condone it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's not good. No. See, as as much as you know those two artists the chili peppers and faith no more like as, as much as people like to talk about them being sort of the vanguards of like 90s alt hip hop rock everything they really are responsible for some bullshit aren't they yeah some really really bad bands that we didn't deserve no so 
uh, that's I think that's going to have to be where we leave it. Uh, what yeah. You, the final word on the soundtrack, though, Libby, what do you think of Encino Man as a soundtrack? Um, I feel like it's the wrong soundtrack for this movie. It's like they made a soundtrack for Beavis and Butthead. And then they realized they needed a soundtrack for Encino Man and they just slapped it on because there there couldn't be more difference between the film that we see and the soundtrack that we listen to. That that really it's is so aggressive. True. And the movie is so gentle. And I, I think go, we have to go back to the beginning where I talked about, you know, this being sort of a, a move by Disney to try and produce a bunch of cheap crap as fast as they could. Well, this is what you get. It's a soundtrack yeah. that doesn't fit a movie that is a lot gentler and a lot more energetic than the music that was made for it. And has staying power. I mean, if this film, it was part of a moment. And I mean, yeah. that moment is gone. Polly uh, Shore still tours. Um, you know, he he still is doing fine for himself. But um, but the mo like our the time of Polly Shore has come and gone. Um. Yeah. But this movie is such a piece of the 90s as much as any SNL skit. That, yeah. But the soundtrack is so forgettable. It really is. Like, it's the same the same moment that that produced, like, you know, I'm going to reference Super Mario Brothers real quick because that also has a random inscrutable Queen song on it for no reason. Yes, that's right. And it's just the, er the early 90s, you know, was the revival of Queen and it's all because of Wayne's World and sort of the, the clinging on of, of classic rock by any means necessary. And I, I really would love to so at some point get around to doing Airheads because that's like the entire thesis of that movie. Is yes, sort of put Airheads of on like streaming, you cowards. Yes, you jerks. We were all ready to do it when we realized we couldn't. And I looked up the DVD and the DVD is out of print and costs like 50 bucks. No, thank you. Yeah, to hell with that. <laughs> but Airheads, you know, is kind of the missing uh, the missing link in all of this because like that's what the movie's about is like classic rock trying to hang on to relevance and just failing. Mm. So, yeah. you know, this is... 1992 is definitely a moment and you're like you said we'll never see it again for good or for ill yeah <laughs> i mean and i appreciate encino man for all of its faults and for all of its charms you know I, it, I remember being a kid wanting to see it and then finally seeing it and seeing how dumb it was and now i can appreciate it for kind of the movie that it actually is yeah i i'm glad i saw it now I feel mm -hmm. like I could I can have a a gentler feel about it. It's certainly a time capsule, isn't it? It is. It really is. Mm -hmm. I I have warm feelings towards it. Yeah, I got nothing wrong with Encino Man. Yeah, God bless you, Encino Man. So, Libby, what's up next on the OST party? Well, next time we are headed back down under, uh, because we are going to talk about the film Tank Girl. We're going post-apocalyptic, oh baby. Heck yeah. Uh, we got Devo, we got Veruca Salt, we got Hole, and we got Ice-T as a kangaroo. Oh, heck yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, It's going to be a blast. All in. Oh, man. So, uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? 
You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Or hopefully at some point you'll be able to tune into new episodes of Misbehaving, our Righteous Gemstones podcast. You still haven't announced uh, when that's going to drop. It's coming soon. I believe it. Yeah. June, I think, uh, is, is when it premieres at okay. some festival. So, Joe, where can we find you? You can find me on uh, Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Cordial Wombat on Twitter and Instagram, rather. And you can hear me yell about Christmas movies all year round on the Christmas Creeps podcast. Uh, we just had Libby on to discuss the strangest film noir movie I've ever seen. My God, it's so weird. <laughs> Called Lady in the Lake, which is entirely done in the first person. It's wild. Uh, so check it's that longer. out at, at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. Uh, and you can f- you can hear more OST Party on Twitter at, o- at OST Party. And you can email us anything you want at OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. Uh, that's all we've got for this week, folks. So uh, for the OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Buddy. Buddy.